Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. I'm Trent. And I'm Mackenzie. And today we are joined by a very special guest, someone who I am in fact privileged to call a dear friend, Sarah Mosher. Hello. So nice to be here. Thank you so much. We're thrilled to have you here. Tell everyone just a little bit about yourself because they are not as privileged as I and in fact probably do not know you. Ah, okay. Well, I've been told that I'm going to do this wrong, so I'm just going to go for it and then you can tell me what I'm doing wrong. Perfect. I love that. Okay, great. So I am a designer and artist. Um, I've worked in uh, theater, opera, film, and dance. Um, for about 20 years now, um, surprisingly enough, and uh, primarily in the costume realm, both design and construction, uh, but I also design sets and have designed immersive performances, have worked in new works, um, so I have quite a, like a variety of things that I've done, and I also have recently become more invested in my fiber arts work, so... Uh, weaving and textile art um, and showing at a few galleries. So that's a little bit about me. Um, Great. So what did I do wrong and what do you want to hear more about? Yeah. So um, by wrong, what we really mean is that people tend to undersell themselves. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I I am here to let people know that they should always say more rather than less because people are interesting. And so Sarah, all the things you said are great. Sarah Mm -hmm. is a phenomenal designer. I actually just recently saw a show that you designed, A Monster Calls, where you were Mm -hmm. sonographer. You did both the costumes and the sets. And it was gorgeous. We might get to talk about that at some point on this podcast because it was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, you have some areas of expertise that I would love for you to talk about. You okay. are an expert in issues like sustainability when mm. it comes to design mm-hmm. and costuming. You are someone who is really active and involved in vocalizing concerns about indigenous peoples mm-hmm. and rights mm-hmm. of natives land. Um, so talk a little bit about that and why that is particularly an area that you're passionate about and devote a lot of study to. Yeah, Uh Well, I, you know, I'm a child of the 90s, and so environmental issues were always front and center. And I also grew up um, outside of Yosemite National Park. So um, that upbringing and the fact that my parents selected to live in a place that um, was more about nature than it was about um, financial security um, really taught me to be mindful of where I was and who I was around. Um, so issues of sustainability were in the forefront for me from the beginning. Um, and also I grew up with um, 
with uh, many of uh, my peers from the Miwok tribe, um, which was the native um, tribal nation um, from Yosemite. So uh, all of these things were very present in my mind growing up. And then um, I spent most of my adult life in Seattle, Washington, um, where uh those things were also on the forefront. Uh, it was just sort of a cultural zeitgeist. Um, and those things were important to me. And I, I had a lot of questions about how we could do things better um, as things got more and more sort of rapid. And of course, in Seattle, the encroachment of Amazon on my daily life, in addition mm. to um, in addition to sort of the encroachment within the theater world of like, oh, well, you need that, just order it on Amazon. And I absolutely mm. fell into that trap um, yeah. and then really started to question, what am I doing? Like, why am I, why am I just doing this? This is, this doesn't make sense. And we're creating things that don't have a future life. They don't have a future existence. That seems really dumb for a better word, lack of a better word. And um, additionally, at the same time, um, uh, the various tribal nations are, are very present in Seattle. And in fact, where I was living, I was paying rent to the Duwamish tribe whose land I was living on. Um, and so it was just such a like constant for me that I was like, oh yeah, this is literally the least I can do. Um, and is, is something that we should all be thinking about. And so when I arrived in Texas, uh, because the tribal nations had been forcibly removed from the state, there's just a lot less cultural presence. And so um, I immediately had questions about that. I, I had made it a practice to always check and see whose land I'm on, wherever I travel, wherever I go, and try to learn about people. And so coming here and seeing nothing was really shocking to me. Um, and so that just became an exploration of my own of, really digging into understanding whose land I'm on and um, what the history was there. And the history is really fascinating. So, um, and all of that ties into sustainability as well. Um, clothing, which is my primary mode of communication, is all tied deeply to agriculture, right? So we get our cotton grown from the ground. We have our sheep that are, that are grazed and bred. And so the relationship with land is really critical to longevity. Um, and I was teaching fashion at my previous institution as well. And so questions of sustainability within fast fashion um, were, were things that I was working with my students on, asking those questions, um, asking about what are the solutions that we can offer as we move into that realm. And so um, all, of, all of those questions really sort of melded together um, for me in a way that just felt very organic and natural. Awesome. And you're also a brilliant educator. You kind of like slid that in there, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I, I've been in one of her classes and she's awesome. So yeah. Well, it was great to have you in that class. It was really, <laughs> it was really a treat and delight. So, um, my students really benefited from your expertise. Thank you. Yeah. No problem. Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, Sarah is such a cool person to know. Um, and one of the reasons that we love having Sarah like to talk to just like in general as a friend um, is because she brings you like a very unique perspective to a lot of the things that we talk about. And 
here on Imagine This and at Wild Imaginings, one of the things that we're always focused on is new works and how to like bring those to life. And so we were kind of wondering, um, what is really the role of like a designer on, you know, in a new works process? A lot of people don't think of designers in new works processes because we're still just like, we're focused so much on the writing. But as we talk about all the time, theater is a bunch of people, a bunch of moving parts all at the same time. Um, so this is a very broad question. So, you know, just to put you on the spot a little bit, um, what do you think the role of a designer is in that new works process? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. And I, I do really appreciate how Wild Imaginings has focused on new works. I think that that's, um, that's a really important um important area of theater that needs to be um, nurtured and cared for. And I think you do a lovely job of that. Um, I've had the privilege of working on several new works. And I think what's interesting, like you were saying, there's a lot of moving parts in theater. And the benefit is that designers are spending all of their energy really looking at um, the communication that's happening aesthetically with the audience and really thinking about that audience um, audience relationship and learning and understanding who our audience is and understanding that the audiences are going to be different from place to place, right? Mm -hmm. So we're really thinking about who the audience is and what they're going to pick up aesthetically that's going to help uh, further the story, mm -hmm. right? Or help illuminate something about the story or help disguise something about the story depending on the intention of the author and so because we're spending all of our energy doing that that's that's sort of a an area that um, can be enriched um, while uh, directors and new work dramaturgs are busy with all these other large questions new work has a lot of big questions because there's not precedent and so there's all these questions of like, does this work? Does this work? Does this work? And it's really nice to have multiple people in the room mm -hmm. to think about, is it working from various perspectives, right? So as a designer and a new work process, I'm really thinking about what are not only like the big picture, right? Like the cohesive umbrella that we're creating visually and aesthetically um, in the case of sound designers also orally, um, but what what is happening also in the details, mm -hmm. right? And I, I find a lot mm -hmm. of pleasure in the details of design. So uh, can I give her um, a small bracelet that her mother bought for her on her trip to Connecticut, right? Can I give her something that shows that there's this very specific human connection that the audience may or may not pick up on in large part they do not but it enhances the way that the performer understands their character it enhances that relationship and that enhances the relationship with the audience mm -hmm. um, so um, I really like both the blatant large brushstrokes that I'm creating but also uh, the sort of hidden details that really enrich the entire um, entire perspective one of the Newark pieces I worked, I had the pleasure of working on was at um, UT when I was a grad student there. And it had been workshopped once and 
some really, really great stuff had come out of that, but we had the chance to actually fully produce it. And um, it was a created world. It was a, uh, a play for young audiences. And so we had to craft the world. And I got to make very specific choices about um, about this uh, corporation that was uh, represented in the piece and made a logo for it. And then that logo was on literally everything that everybody wore for like shoes and socks oh, and wow. like every single item that they had had this logo on it somewhere to really communicate to the audience that it was really omnipresent and that they really controlled the world. And then when we traveled to the underworld where the our protagonist, um, young girl, traveled to the underworld, she met people who didn't have the logo on and so this sense of um, the sense of not being under that control and what sort of exploration can happen as a result of that um, is just one example of the ways in which I think about how I can communicate something about this new work and how I can like sort of raise the stakes or elevate um, the scenario so that um, the audience can be even more fully immersed and fully brought forward on the journey that's so cool. That's so cool. And like in a new works process, I would say, honestly, you can like tell the difference between somebody who's had a dramaturg and somebody who's had a designer involved in the process beforehand. Because there's there's a lot of like a lot of people may not know this if you're listening, but um, the, there are plenty of shows that have not had designers involved in the process. And then once they get to actually like being performed you run into all sorts of problems because mm -hmm. a designer has never looked at this script. So they may go, um, actually, it's really hard to put like a 747 on stage. We may have to work on that. You know, mm -hmm. they help to inform the process, but it's always better if they're at the beginning, you know, of these things. And so like, that's, that's super cool. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that there can be a lot gained from those relationships. I mean, that for me, that is what is essential about theater is the communal nature of it and that I can bring a perspective to things and you can bring a perspective to things and the playwright can bring a perspective to things and by all of us bringing all of our different brains and life experience and different lived experiences and the diversity of our experiences in life and in art and in um, everything that makes it better mm -hmm. and so um, embracing opening up the dialogue um, at a very early stage really allows um, for greater depth and richness. It is terrifying. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will, I admit that um, for, for a playwright to offer that work in that way, um, it is really scary, but I believe that it, it offers some really amazing rewards that you wouldn't get otherwise. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we talk about is the role of specificity in mm -hmm. storytelling and in playwriting and the development of new works. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that design is one of the ways in which that we can make a story more or less specific. Mm -hmm. um, if a play takes place in a particular location mm -hmm. geographically, it affects the way that people 
dress. It affects the way、mm-hmm. that homes are constructed and adorned.、Mm-hmm. So, as a designer, I guess what I would love to get your opinion on is how what is this relationship between specificity and relatability, and how do you bridge that as a designer working with a new work as you're trying to figure out who it's performed for.、Um, I mean, for example, we're about to do a production of Sweat,、mm-hmm. which takes place in Pennsylvania.、Mm-hmm. Well, we're performing it in Waco, Texas, so we're making choices about how do we make this relatable yet still remain true to the specificity of where it's located within the script. So, as a designer、mm-hmm. developing a new work, how do you bridge that gap between wanting to relate to the audience in front of you? But also wanting to remain true to the specificity that the playwright has presented on the page. Yeah, I think that's a really central question.、Um, and you know, one of the things is that it is really critical to understand your audience, right? And and some of the cultural、uh, cultural signs that they're going to read that maybe other audiences wouldn't.、Um, and it's good to be aware of that. But I will also say. That human psychology is a pretty amazing thing, and what we know is that if you believe and you line up everything in such a way that you are you have created something that is very specific, right? The specificity of it is very tight. The audience will believe anything, right?、Mm-hmm. Because they are wanting to believe by entering into the space. They are choosing to participate. They want to believe. They want to make that. Leap right. So, in the new work that I talked about earlier,、um, the the corporation like turned off, turned on and off the daylight because the sun had been covered by、um, by pollution.、Mm-hmm. And so, in this world,、um, there is a convention that everybody has their own lights on their head, and the light reflects the character, right?、Mm-hmm. So, like our young protagonist with her pigtails has two little clip lights, little <laughs> book reading clip lights. The mom has this beautiful, like,、um, ornate rose-looking、um, light fixture. Right. The audience enters into the space and sits down, and they very quickly are like, "Oh, ah, that's the rule. Everyone has a light on their head. Ah, okay,、mm-hmm. got it." And then it's no longer a thing; it's just present. And then, when we go to the underworld, we break that convention because the woman with the bones has no light, and they say, "Ah." There's something different about her. There's something special. We've broken a convention, right?、Mm-hmm. So, as theater artists, the more specific we can be with our design, with our acting, with every part of it, then the more we will bring the audience along and tell them this is the way it is, and they will say yes, it is. And then when we change something, they'll say, "Oh, that's important, right?" So, so I think I think it is important to understand. Those things that might pull people out. So, for instance, I always use this example: We're here in Waco, Texas. We're here near Baylor's campus. If I put a character in all green and gold, the first thing people are going to think is Baylor,、mm-hmm. right?、Mm-hmm. This、I、would have not, in fact, done that. <laughs> <laughs> right. This would not be necessarily the case if I was in Austin, even. Right.、Mm-hmm. So, understanding what will pull the audience out. And break them away from the beautiful world that you've created is important to understand, as sort of like a pitfall or cautionary aspect. 
Um, but I also believe in the intelligence of our audiences. And I think that it's really important to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, like, if I create this world that's all Pennsylvania and I'm really specific and I'm really, really careful about it. And I don't put anything out there that might distract them from that based on their local zeitgeist, then they will be with us and they will believe it and they will be present um, and the story will hit. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, so I think that's a really important question. I think it's really multifaceted and I think that respecting the, agency and authority of every person involved, whether it be an audience member or an actor, a backstage crew member, really helps to enhance the story. Mackenzie mm -hmm. is our resident historian. And so even <laughs> when we talk about new works, she's often thinking in terms of adaptations. She's studying mm -hmm. Shakespeare right now, right? Mm -hmm. So Mackenzie, what are your thoughts and what questions maybe do you have for Sarah in terms of new works are not always contemporary, right? Mm -hmm. It might be a new story, but it might be set historically. And so when we're thinking about the role of designers in these shows, what are your thoughts specifically or what questions do you have when it comes to adapting works or producing period pieces in the in terms of how designers cooperate with the rest of the team specifically in that context? Yeah, I think it becomes like a real balancing act of like how period appropriate and period like correct do we go versus mm -hmm. like, um, are we tr are there any elements that we're trying to modernize um, and like make more accessible and also like feasibility? And if it's like a show with like dance costumes that people mm -hmm. can move and dance in and stuff like that. Yeah. So how, how do we find that balance, I guess, would be my question. Um, I, th I think that's so um, so dependent from show to show, right? So, like, you know, the obvious example that probably everybody has talked about or thought about is Hamilton. We talked about it in my class um, because there's a, a book on the process, so that's helpful. Um, but, you know, in that example, right, they're dancing, like you mentioned. And so we really have to think about the extent of the exuberant dancing that they're going to do and how to make sure that everything is um, workable for that. And that also the pro through the process, um, Paul Teswell was saying, you know, I really want to have this rule where everything from the neck down is sort of period, reminds us of period, and everything from the neck up is very contemporary. Um, so that we're, because what they were trying to say was they were using a historical period, but they were saying something about contemporary American life in relationship to that. Mm -hmm. So it was really important that both of those were present. And I think that's a, that's always a, the question that I have is the why, like why, why this period? Why are we doing this? What is the intention? What are you trying to get across by making this choice? And then from there, I can say, oh, okay, well, you're trying to say this to our modern audience and you're trying to make this connection. That means we need to include a little bit more of modern um, aesthetics so that we can help create that connection for people versus I really want this to be a period piece on its own and really say something about this period. Okay, well, then let's be very authentic to that period and really work with the performers to help them understand the period and really work with them to help them um, embody those costumes in a way that that would be embodied within that period so that they can explore what that what that means in that space and in that time. Um, so I think I think it's 
so specifically about why are we doing this and what are we trying to say, um, which is the same question I will ask for any story, um, for any production, for any play that we're doing. So um, I think I think understanding where we get the information for period is really important and how we're going to communicate it is really important and how we're consistent about it is really important. But I think it's the same question that we ask of every production. That's a really nice segue into something else that I was hoping we would get to talk about today. Um, because we've talked about dramaturgy mm-hmm. quite a bit on this podcast. And a lot of dramaturgy is asking those good questions, mm-hmm. right? Making yeah. sure that the production and the playwright really understands that why and makes sure that everything is serving it as best it can, right? Mm-hmm. And something that you and I have talked about personally mm-hmm. is that a good designer is a dramaturg Mm -hmm. and I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that in light of this issue that you've raised of needing to ask why Mm -hmm. in terms of design so designers as dramaturgs give us your spiel Sarah (laughs) my spiel yeah um yeah I mean I I think it relates just like we were talking about um to be I believe personally that to be a good designer I need to be um, making specific choices that are communicating with our audience. Um, and it might just be that it's obfuscating a point, right? I might be, we might be trying to hide something and tell the point we want to reveal it, but whatever it is, we're trying to communicate, um, information. And so I really need to understand from both the playwright and the director, what is it that we're getting at? Like, what is the essential question? Or as my friend Candace Vance always says, um, why are we breaking the silence of the universe for this? Hmm. Right. Like, what is it that's so important about this that we are going to dedicate a huge amount of our time, energy, creative talents to this? And we're going to ask people to pay and come and see it. Why is it that important? Um, And if we can answer that question or at least hit at that question, then as designers, we can say, great, I've got I've got my task. I've got my command. And then everything can relate back to that. Right. So if I'm like. Do I choose this hat or this hat for this character? I always then, with with that, with any question like that, right, just this one or that one or this one or that one, it's always about what does it say about the central question, right? And so for me, um, this idea of design as dramaturgy is not only about the intensive research that I put into things, especially if, like we were talking about with McKinsey, if it's something that's like period specific or hinting at period, right? I really want to make sure I understand the context of that. But also, it's really about the why, right? It's really about the central question. And it's about, is this hat or this hat going to communicate this aspect of her character more? 
is this is this going to be more effective or is this going to be more effective? Does this say what we want it to say about where she came from, who she is, what she wants out of this meeting, etc.? So again, every every detail I always make in light of that central question. And so that central question becomes critical to everything that I'm doing. And I also really feel like um, when I was being brought up as a designer, as a baby designer, um, it was a lot of like, you make all these choices, right? You design beautiful renderings, right? You do all of this and then you go into the fitting and you make it all work on the body and then there you go. But... uh, the performers are actually like very, very excellent artists who bring a lot to the table. So why would I not take advantage of that um, by having these conversations with them? What are you discovering about your character? What is it that you have found that she wants to say in this particular scene? Um, having those conversations and then saying, I think it's really important that she have a locket mm-hmm. to communicate what she's holding and what she's keeping with her and keeping secret. But I have three options and I'd really like for you to sort of like step into that character for a minute and think about which one she would have, right? And have those conversations and have it really be like a communal, um, a communal choice making that, that I have some idea of what that character is, but I am not the end all be all and that I am just a participant in this and let's bring all of those voices into that space and let's have that conversation you as the performer have been embodying this character you know better than anyone what it is in this moment that she's holding secret so how here are three options that I think get at it which one do you think is most authentic to to that moment so I know that I'm not answering your question directly but I'm hopefully painting a picture that allows you to see that really dramaturgy is everything that I do um, I'm really just constantly thinking about what is what is being said, how it's being done, um, how we're staging it, right? All of that, going back to the text, going back to the central question, and always measuring against that as opposed to, I think this one looks lovely, right? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, might also be the case. But the important thing is how does it relate to that central question? What am I communicating? Yeah, um, I think that design and dramaturgy share something else in common which is part of some part of what you've said but if a dramaturg does their job well you don't notice that they were ever part of the production Mm -hmm. because they're making sure that everything works Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. design sometimes there's a wow moment Mm -hmm. that people remember like a really interesting bit of lighting or a really cool costume change but overall Oftentimes you don't notice the design, Mm -hmm. particularly other than the fact that it was good, Mm -hmm. right? But the point is that if a designer has done their job well, the world simply makes sense and people Mm -hmm. accept it, like you said, right? So of the thousands of choices that you make as a designer, people might notice just a few of them. Mm -hmm. But those aren't the only choices that you've made. It's just the ones that people were intended to notice. Whereas everything else, having done your job well, they just accept as part of the reality. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a really interesting part of design and of dramaturgy and is maybe one of the reasons that we tend to talk about it less Mm -hmm. because it's not the part that people remember. It's not the part that's flashy. Mm -hmm. It's simply the part that makes everything else work. 
Yes, absolutely. And I, uh, this is particularly a challenge if we're doing something that's contemporary. Um, this, because we all wear clothing, we all just make assumptions like, oh yes, they're wearing clothes. Great. You know, and, yeah. and a lot of times people don't even think that, mm-hmm. right. They just walk in, they look at the show and great. Um, but, uh, that's also what makes contemporary design actually one of the more difficult designs to do. Everyone thinks mm-hmm. it's like the period piece and it's like, no, there's enough removal from a period piece that like I can make educated choices, but I can also cut a corner if I need to and nobody in the audience will notice except maybe that one costume historian, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm doing contemporary work and something is off, the vibe is off, people will notice, right? So it's actually... Um, more challenging to do contemporary work. And I know that a lot of people will find that surprising, but um, it really is because our audiences will notice the things that pull them out, right? Um, uh, Deborah Noodleman Landis, uh, John Landis's wife, um, but in her own right, an incredible designer um, who uh, went on and got her doctorate um, overseas and is an incredible proponent for costume design as an art form and as a central sort of standing point uh, pointed out that uh, if you look at the Academy Award Oscar winners, particularly if you look at women, the Oscar winners, and then you look at the costume design winners for those same years, they very seldom line up. Mm. But oftentimes the work that has been done with costume hair and makeup is a big part of what made that role Oscar worthy, right? We Mm -hmm. think of um, Charlize Theron and Monster, Mm -hmm. right? So much incredible hair, makeup, costume work went into that to really offer that authenticity. Um, But that was not recognized or seen because, again, it was not beautiful, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, one of the biggest awards that I've won was for a show um, that was, like, a historical period piece. And it was very beautiful and very glamorous. Um, But also, I was like, okay, but all this other work that I'm also very proud of doesn't get any recognition because it is contemporary, right? Mm -hmm. So, for instance, a new work that I worked on in Seattle called Big Rock by Sonia Schneider, which was a brilliant play about about family relationships and being an artist. It's great. All of that was extremely contemporary, but took place over seven days. There were only three performers. And so they had to to change themselves and we had to like manage this um, transition of our main character, Signe, from um, coming in from New York City as an artist in New York City, arriving on the small island in the San Juans, and then to the end her really feeling at home there right and so this transition we had to paint over the course of this time and the small choices that we made really had to make sense for the audience and had to make sense for her character and I think nobody noticed right and then all of a sudden at the end they're like oh she's wearing like all plaid and right and she's like digging in the garden and Mm -hmm. Um, she went from like all black, very sleek to like this, but it was a slow transition. And so, um, you know, having those little moments, um, you have to be careful about bringing them, bringing the audience along on that journey. 
Yeah. I I love that you talk about the relationship to basically everything that design has. When when I first started out, um, you know, in high school, we rarely, if ever, had really good designers that were, you know, on things. And that's because, you know, it's it's high school theater. You got to sometimes just make do with what you got. Um, but when I really got into college was when I started learning about, like, how important it is to have a designer who understands, like, what's happening in the world, who's willing to talk to you about certain things, um, and, and how, you know, set and costumes can change something. I am one of the actors who, like, as soon as I put my costume on, I, I feel mm. so much in character. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's kind of, it's a very interesting switch that happens. Mm-hmm. And I love that you have those conversations to talk about those things and um because i i was still they were like going toward more of like incorporating actors into those design decisions while i was in college but it really wasn't until i left college that it became more like present where people were asking me you know like what do you think that this what color do you think this character would wear like you know what's something unique about your character like what do they wear to feel comfortable what do they wear to feel um supported you know different Mm -hmm. things like that and so like those conversations are really interesting and I also love that you talked about how hard it is to do a contemporary show Mm -hmm. um because even on even sometimes on the like backside of things on the behind the scenes you'll hear people that are doing contemporary shows be like oh we don't need a designer we can just people just Mm -hmm. put clothes on and then we get into it and they're like oh i actually am supposed to have a costume change here oh right because nobody did the tracking right uh actually (laughs) we're supposed to have a rock on stage right now oh because there was nobody there to to know that that rock needed to be there Mm -hmm. so like it makes a huge difference when you get in to have designers on every end of things um even for sound like all of a sudden Mm -hmm. somebody will be like oh there was supposed to be a chime that cued me oh there's nobody there to make that chime so like it it's such an interesting it's so like you can't do what we do without designers Mm -hmm. um and I really appreciate you taking the time to like talk about those aspects it's awesome like and I and I think even taking it one step back from production and the writing of a script I was dramaturging a script and I'm not primarily a designer but I am a director and there was a scene in this show where I was like this you can't do this there is mm-hmm. not time to make this change mm-hmm. right and so having designers directors in the process of the writing can also actually be really helpful because mm-hmm. you have someone whose job it is who can say look we can work some magic but like not quite like that mm-hmm. <laughs> right or like it doesn't serve yeah. the it's not it doesn't serve the plot enough that it is worth the struggle mm-hmm. right because there's there's always this conversation about producibility, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I am not someone who wants writers to write with producibility in mind because I think it's limiting. Mm-hmm. However, when push comes to shove, if you want it to be produced, you have to ter- take certain things into consideration, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it is not a starting point, but when you reach the process of refining and yeah. c- really creating a deliverable You have to take it into account. Mm -hmm. And so having designers as a part of the process of development can really save you a lot of struggle on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely has to be part of that editing process. Mm -hmm. Right. And thinking about how important is it as I have it now versus, you know, do I really want it to be widely shared 
Um, and that small star front theater is going to struggle with this and they may not select it because of that. So, um, yeah. And I think, uh, just to tie in both that and also, um, Brigina, what you were talking about with our performers is it's, it's more and more critical that we really remember that these are like real live human beings with full lives who are putting the work in, right? Whether it be the playwright, the director, the designer, the performers, um, everybody, the dramaturgs, the audience, right? They're, they're real human beings. And so there's, there's a real movement towards trying to make it a little bit more humane and really consider not just, you know, as an, as a performer, what, what the character would find authentic, but also like, what body boundaries do you have that I need to work into my design? Mm -hmm. What would make your life as a performer better? If I took it into account, do you have a back brace you need to wear? Do you have an insulin pump? Like what kinds of things do you need me to think about as I'm making this design? Because I'm happy to do that. I work with boundaries all the time, not a problem. Um, but it really needs to be considered and invited Mm. Um, that, that we think about that and that we think about when we're thinking about producibility, what are we going to ask of these storefront theaters whose people are getting paid very little, if anything, what are we asking them to do? What kind of gymnastics are we asking them to do? And we, we want to do the art and we want to give of ourselves, right? We've all done that. Um, but we also need to think about what are we asking of ourselves and others, and like you were saying, Trent, like, is it worth it? Is the payoff worth it? And sometimes it is, but a lot of times it's not. Mm-hmm. And so how are we thinking about those questions? And I think that that's an important um, important part of what I think about as a designer, specifically as a costume designer, because I'm thinking about, you know, what I'm putting on somebody, what the embodied experience will be like for them. And um, how can they, as a performer, be the most confident so that they, as the character, can be most authentic? Mm-hmm. I, I was in a, that reminds me of, I was in a new works process a few, like three or four years ago. And um, they were, the playwright was in the room with us as we were like, you mm-hmm. know, putting on her show, getting ready for the performances. And so during one of the tech rehearsals, like, you know, tech is normally the week before or like a few days before you actually go up. During one of our tech rehearsals, um, we were having trouble with one of the transitions. It was just one of those things where we needed to like time it out a little bit better. But the playwright was so worried about it that she wrote in a transition scene Mm. that was more work for everybody to go in and do so (laughs) and it kind of sent everybody who was on the team which was like very condensed down like we had one set designer who wasn't even like in the room most of the time we had one lighting designer who wasn't in the room with us a sound designer wasn't in the room with us also they were just going off the notes that we had every night and you know making them so we had to do a very quick turnaround add cues to the board add cues to the soundboard Mm. I had to you know we had to add in another couple props or something just for this transition scene and so we ran it one time and everybody in the process was like it just doesn't work Mm. it just doesn't work we should go back to the way it was before and I I thought about like how nice would it have been for one of the designers to have been in the room and just be like I don't think that's gonna work 
that's mm-hmm. actually going to be a lot more stress on us. We could just work this change a couple more times and get it down. And sure enough, we did. Like mm-hmm. it was so like you do have those things and so it helps to have somebody in the process who will be like we actually don't need to do that or that's going to be a lot of work for the humans that are here trying mm-hmm. to get this work done. So I I appreciate mindful designers who take that into account. So that's that's amazing. And I absolutely also am sometimes the person that is making extra work, right? I'll be like, oh, I really, let's do Mm -hmm. this thing. And I also need the accountability of either the performers or the director or the shop manager to be like, really? Is that really necessary? (laughs) I'm like, oh, no, you're right. It's not. It's not. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's, let's make this simpler because it will do what we need this story to do better. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Yeah. Um, I'm also part of part of the problem as well as part of the solution but aren't we all and that's what I like about theater is that we can be in this together and we can all have our turns of being like is this am I doing this right and Mm -hmm. this is and people around us can be like yes or edit this or you know and Mm -hmm. and I think that's what makes it better and I love that that's awesome so um, I think we're coming to the end of our time, but I want to end on a super fun question. <laughs> what is like your favorite production that you've worked on? If you can name one, it's a tough question. It is a tough question. It's like asking your favorite child. Um, uh, that's you a, do have a favorite child. I do have a favorite child. Say. It's fortunate that I only have one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it makes it easy for her to be my favorite. Um, uh Mackenzie, mm, that's such a hard question. Um, <laughs> I I have to say that like I really like any production in which it feels like we're all having these conversations, right? So there are times when it feels like we're working across purposes and that's fine and you do the work and you make it fabulous and you do it. Um, and it's great. Uh, but the ones that I love the most are the ones where we're all asking the why question together and we're digging into the content and we're saying, I don't know, does this say what we want it to say about this? And that those conversations are present throughout and everybody's involved in those questions. So I'm definitely dodging your question a little bit here. Um, but I, I would say that for me, I derive the most satisfaction from those productions in which we were we are all dramaturging in a way and that the dramaturg is there to like oversee the dramaturgy process right is there to be like be like oh don't forget about this thing because they're looking at big picture um but that we're all like oh what about this or like what does this do or how does this relate to that or like what if what if instead of this we just do this thing oh yeah that makes more sense you know um I love that I love those conversations and I love Usually I love the product of those a lot more because it is so connected and collaborative and so focused on the central question, focused on the dramaturgy of, of the piece itself. And we'll accept your question, Dodge. <laughs> okay, good. Um, because I think, though, that it points to something that all creatives can understand, which is that the process of what you're creating mm-hmm. often determines how enjoyable it is more Mm -hmm. so than the what you're creating itself yeah right i think all of us can look back and think about some of our favorite experiences 
And sometimes that's different mm-hmm. than objectively what our favorite shows might be, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it makes that's part of what makes the question really hard is it's like in terms of outcome, I might have these answers over here, but in terms of like the process of creating, those might those may or may not overlap, right? Mm-hmm. And when we think about our favorite things, sometimes the experience trumps the outcome because that's what you spend all of your time and your energy pouring into. Mm-hmm. The outcome is just like the bonus that you get at the end. Absolutely. Right? Like that's yeah. why we do what we do is mm-hmm. to enter into that process with like-minded people. Yeah. And then the outcomes that, you know, emerge from those processes are like icing on our creative cake. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I think the Venn diagram uh, is uh, is so sweet when it hits uh, the creative fulfillment, the paid appropriately, mm. and the beautiful uh, pictures for the website. <laughs> 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 that spot right in the middle. Yes. Because uh, most yes. of the time you're sort of, you know, two or one of yep. those. And so when you get all three, mm, mm-hmm. so good. And yes. um, it's and usually community. the um, paid appropriately that least enters the Venn <laughs> diagram. So true. So yeah. true. Yeah, that's definitely a challenge. Yeah. But we, we're we so thrilled that you um, are here. We may Thank or may you. not have to just like have you again because you, okay, I'm yes. sure, have more to say. Before yes. we leave, tell people where they can find more about your work if they would like to see beautiful pictures like that you just mentioned. Great. Um, well, I'm updating my website now, um, but you can feel free to hop over anytime. It's uh, sarahmosher.com, S-A-R-A-H-M-O-S-H-E-R.com. Very, very simple. Um, and you can follow me at Sarah Mosher Designs on Instagram. Beautiful. You all should. She has lots of pictures for you to look at. She yes. um, has lots of pretty things that she's designed. That's yes, pretty she's cool. She's brilliant to work with. Can't, can't say that enough. Thank you. That's true. That's but so like, nice. don't work with her too much because we want to, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, thank you. You're all very kind. And it's such a pleasure to talk with you all, especially you, Mackenzie, who I don't get to talk to very often. So thank you so much for your time. And Mackenzie, tell them where they can find us. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Imagine This Theater Pod, theater with an R-E, or at Wild Imaginings Waco, or WildImaginingsWaco.com, or through our wonderful producers, Rogue Media Networks. And thank you so much for listening in on another one of our fabulous conversations. Thank you, Sarah, for being here. Thank Um, you so much. And we just appreciate the opportunity to talk about theater and new work and Mm -hmm. dramaturgy and design. Thank you for joining us to Imagine This. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.